Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I am Sean Coomer, joined this week by Joe Chung and Mark Osterman, and we have a great show for you today. On the show, we're going to talk about my first and mixed impressions of Baja Mar, whether loyalty programs are a sham, and just off the presses, the changes coming to the Chase Sapphire Reserve, including a higher annual fee and more. If you enjoy the podcast, you can subscribe at mtmpodcast.com or in your favorite podcast app. We support Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. All of the links to subscribe, mtmpodcast.com. And finally, if you do like the show, please consider telling someone about it, spread the word, spread the message, and let us know what you think. All right, and now on to the show. Hey guys, so uh, how's your week been? I'm over here in the Bahamas, just got here to Bahamar yesterday, and we'll talk about that a little bit uh, in a little bit more later, but what have you guys been up to? Nothing as cool as going to the Bahamas. We can't all be me, Joe. Come on. True. My weekend was pretty terrible. I laid in bed sweating <laughs> and coughing all weekend. So I even had to miss the uh, Michigan Michigan State game. Had tickets and I had to skip it because I was sick, which makes me upset. But uh, Michigan State pulled it out like 18 point win. So I'm happy about that. So that was a good cap off the weekend. That and the Patriots losing, of course. Right, Joe? Yeah, that's right. Super excited about that. And uh, yeah, 18 points. You really did. Uh, that sounds like it was a real close one right there. It was a nail biter the whole time. <laughs> but you didn't mention the, the most important part. That is that the Packers are still in the playoffs, even though they didn't play last weekend. But that's okay. That's the only reason they're still in it, because they didn't <laughs> yeah, play. Like, no I didn't one have to like, ever talk. The weekend, like, play no one game. talks about bye teams. Nobody talks about bye teams. I know. But uh, the Dallas Cowboys were talked about more than the Packers were this weekend. Yeah, nobody talks about the bye. The unfortunate thing is the Vikings did win. Uh, that was my one game I was uh, rooting for this weekend was for the Vikings. Oh, Kirk Cousins, own. Michigan State, baby. And they pulled it you out. Like they that? actually looked pretty good. Like what? Yeah. What? He doesn't know what Kirk Cousins says. You oh, like that? Yeah. Just, oh, no. Let's just move on. He's a Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he not did a that. real sports. No, he, he did, did that, that as he... a Redskin. <laughs> yeah, he did it as a Redskin. Ah. All right. All right. Sports, <laughs> sports, sports center, we are not. We should move on. Uh, what I am is a Disney World lover, and I am going back with my two older children this weekend, uh, going for a long weekend. Actually, we're going to spend four days in the parks, probably. And I'm dragging my parents, and and I'm dragging my parents along. And my sister, I guess, was going to rely on my parents for babysitting because her husband's going out of town this weekend as well coincidentally. And I was like, you know what? I booked two rooms. You might as well just come down. And so she's coming down with her two kids too. So it's going to be a, a Chung family reunion. Obviously not going to go at the same pace as I would have. This is kind of my first 
extended family vacation at Disney World uh, in a quite a long time. So I'm pretty excited. That's cool. Besides the Disney World part. But other than that, yeah, sounds awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Wait, are you nervous about anything like having your family there compared to like when you're there by yourself? No. Or are you just going to? No, I mean, my expectations are like pretty different. You know, I think an interesting thing is going to be the older two kids probably are going to be more into the coasters. My daughter, I think, is finally getting over her fear of them. But the younger two kids are, you know, still chickens. Plus, it's the extended family, so we're going to be splitting it multiple times. So I'm interested to see like kind of how the planning all goes with eight people as opposed to just being myself or even four or five of us uh, in my family. So it should be good. The weather looks good. Unfortunately, I was supposed to run the half marathon. It is marathon weekend at Disney World. They run four races, and I was supposed to run the half marathon, but uh, my back issues are still very bad. Hurts to talk to you guys, but I do it for the show to be sitting here at my desks. But, you know, it is what it is. At least I'm still going to Disney World. Unfortunately, I really wanted to run that race and uh, bummed that I'm not going to get to do it. Have you ever run one of the races there before? Uh, I've never run a Disney race. I used to run quite a bit. So I've done quite a few half marathons and I've even done two marathons, although I think I will never do them again. And who knows, maybe these back issues are from uh, having run too much in my late 20s and early 30s. So I don't know. It's a, it's a bad scene, though. I think every time you go to Florida, I'm in Florida, too. It's kind of weird. You're going to be there? Well, I'm going to be in Jacksonville. Oh. <laughs> so not too far Duval. from you. <laughs> no, Bortles. Uh, so maybe I should more, drive down to more McDonald's. more references for you guys. We, we yeah, should uh, drive to McDonald's and meet up. Yeah, well, we'll just need to find a McDonald's in between Jacksonville and Orlando and meet up. Sounds I'll good. just come all the way to the world's greatest one. Why would I skip that? Got to go yeah, to the biggest right. one. If it's, right? if it's Monday, I'll be there. Right. On Monday night, so we can all just wait till Monday. And you're gonna be there on Monday night. No, oh nobody gosh. cares when you're gonna be there, Sean. Nobody. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and also, we're all gonna be. Mark, you can't just by laughing at a joke doesn't make it funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. You well, we're that, leaving Han? Sunday. We're leaving Sunday. So yeah, we're leaving Monday. But uh, uh, who knows? Actually, I have a flight book, but I'm probably gonna change it via. You know, Jeff. Yeah, you're gonna change it to Sunday now that you know he's gonna be there on Monday. <laughs> no, but there's a. Ch- <laughs> Who knows, Sean? Maybe I'll see you at MCO. Let's let, let's see uh, how it goes. Sounds good. All right, you guys ready to get onto the show? Let's do it. Enough about Disney. You know, Sean, you are the warmest out of the three of us right now. So I'm curious. You know, what brings you to Bahamar and like how'd you get there? And uh, you know, I know you're with your family. So how's that family travel going? I'm assuming you can't get directly to Nassau from Las Vegas. So I don't know. Did you have to make a couple connections, or how did that all go? Yeah, we flew here, um, unfortunately, on a red eye. It seems like you have two choices coming from the West Coast. You can either fly a red eye and get there in the morning, or you can lose an entire day of travel. And usually flying the red eye ends up being cheaper or a better deal. So in this case, we actually flew a red eye Las Vegas to Atlanta, which is a brutal one because it's only like three and a half hours and it left at 10.50 p.m. So we ended up arriving around 3 a.m. Vegas time, a little bit before 3 a.m. Vegas time in Atlanta, and then a couple hours there, and then on to here. But yeah, I booked my wife into first class because the ticket was really cheap using, I believe, ultimate rewards, maybe thank you points, but one of those two. And then because I have my match Delta Platinum status and it allows me an upgrade for myself and one other, um, I sort of gambled a little bit with that and booked my daughter and I into economy. And seeing the prices were really cheap and the loads were really low, um, my plan worked and we got upgraded. So the three of us all flew in domestic first class to Atlanta and then also got upgraded to Nassau. So that was pretty good. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Then we got to Baja Mar. That was even better because we booked that on a mistake rate. Did you guys uh, book any, did you guys hear of this mistake rate maybe last year? 
Yeah, so it's funny. Uh, Becky Pacora from SiteDoing.net was tweeting. She was like, was there some mistake rate I missed? And when she said that, I had like a vague recollection that there was a mistake rate, but I totally forgot what it was. So, you know, I would love to be reminded. I think you are at, what is it, the Grand Hyatt Bahamar? Is that right? Yeah, so Bahamar, for people who don't know, is a giant resort uh, just outside Nassau on uh, Cable Beach. And Nassau is where the Atlantis is. Atlantis is on Paradise Island, which is a little island off the coast. But it's sort of a similar style resort. It almost reminds me of a Las Vegas resort. It has 2,200 rooms. There's a Rosewood, which is a very high-end hotel chain. There's an SLS. But the main hotel here is the Grand Hyatt. And um, yeah, we're staying here. Last year, a friend, I don't even know who did, just sent me a message saying that there was this mistake right here. Um, It lasted like, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes, not long enough for us to write about it on the site at all. And I booked a few different rooms for different dates. Basically, what ended up happening was the suites at the hotel were selling for about the the price of a standard room. So for example, I'm paying $225 a night, which is still a lot. I don't pay $225 a night at hotels very often. And, uh, but I do have a, what they call a one bedroom pool villa, which is a 1300 square foot suite with Butler service and access to their private suite lounge, which is separate from the grand club, which I also have access to as a globalist. And, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful room. This, the pool villas themselves are actually housed in a separate building, a seven story building that only has 23 villas total in it. And it's much closer to the pool than the uh, rest of the grand Hyatt. And, uh, yeah, the, the rooms are, are beautiful. Um, there's been a couple of small service hiccups that we're we're still working on, mostly around housekeeping, but certainly nothing to to complain about in the grand scope of things. The pools are beautiful. Still trying to form impressions of everything and then trying to compare it. We'll also be going to Atlantis in a couple of days using our free Caesars Diamond Nights. So I'll be able to, even though I've stayed at Atlantis before, kind of compare them a little bit better too. But yeah, it's a beautiful hotel. Reminds me a lot of Las Vegas with the casino kind of as the center of the entire hotel with a few different hotels, kind of like maybe Mandalay Bay, something like that. Yeah, so we actually booked that, uh, the Grand Hyatt Bahamar when it was first opening. Like, I think we were going to be there with, within the first week or two that it opened. And we were using our two free night certs from the old uh, Hyatt card sign up where you used to get two nights anywhere. And uh, we had it all set up and they called us like a week or two. Well, maybe it was like four weeks before and said, hey, we're not going to open on time. And they actually they ended up not opening for like a year or more. It was delayed so many times. It's crazy. So they gave us 40,000 points as an apology for not uh, being able to book it. We ended up staying at the Hilton downtown, which is actually a, a solid option for a hotel. I, I actually like it a little bit better. The location's like right in the in the midst of everything. The beach isn't as nice and there's not as much to do, but you have a lot of the, the actual city around you, so you can go do that. So I have not been there. Um, that was our plan, but Kirsten's been there. My wife, uh, she, she went with a friend a couple, maybe it was last year. No, two years ago. And uh, she said it was beautiful, expensive. All the food and drinks and everything is super expensive. The lounge access is huge. Saved them a ton of money on breakfast and hors d'oeuvres at night. So definitely check that out. But I think overall, she said she enjoyed the Hilton better for whatever reason. So I I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah, and I'll have a full review later with all my thoughts. Like I said, there's been a few like service letdowns. Like we arranged for a rollaway bed uh, before we actually arrived here. And then we arrived here and it wasn't here. And then we asked for it. And we actually asked our butler because we have butler service, you know, where is it? And then three and a half hours later, it still wasn't here. And then I had to ask again uh, when my daughter was ready to go to bed, there was no bed in the room, things like that. Just little things. So nothing, nothing huge, nothing that would say I would not recommend coming here. As you say, it's beautiful. I think there's like 10 pools. There's, you know, aquariums, there's an aviary with birds, there's flamingos, there's the beach is really nice. So I, I will, I'll have a full review on the site pretty quickly. I'll try to get up. And we already have actually a review from 
Uh, was it Bethany who reviewed it on the site a couple of years yeah, ago? Yeah, Bethany did, yep. And we have some uh, tips for food. And so we already have quite a bit of information on the site about it, but uh, we'll update that. And yeah, so far, I really do like it. Um, I'm not going to, it's not the best Hyatt in the world, but I definitely like what they've done here. I like the bones of it. I like the the resort. I like the beach. I like the pool. So certainly nothing to complain about there. And uh, yeah, more to come on that uh, after I've only been here about a day. So I've got a couple more days to go and then I'll hopefully be able to form a better opinion. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to address with this, because everybody asked me, like, how do you find these deals? How do you find these um, mistakes? There's no really great answer to that. Maybe we'll do a, like a longer segment on that in another episode. But on this one, like I said, it was just a, a friend sending me a message and it was already gone before I could have written about it or shared it. Um, I believe that that friend told me an anonymity anyway, so I probably couldn't have shared it. But by the time it had, it didn't really make any blogs, I, I think maybe extreme hotel deal. And I'm really not even sure the source of this particular deal. But if you do look for, if you want to get in on these types of deals, you know, follow blogs that write about them uh, on Twitter, follow their, you know, their, their feeds. I mean, like I said, extreme hotel deals is, is pretty good. They do have a premium option now, so I'm not quite sure how much of the free stuff is going out anymore, but networking is always going to be your best option to get these types of deals. Get to know people who are interested in it too, because when you're looking at stuff, you can send it to them. When they find it, they can send it to you. And that sort of helps out a little bit. You guys have any really quick tips on on mistake rates? Yeah, come to New Orleans to meet people and then you'll make friends and they'll share tips with you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Join us in New, or- New Orleans, uh, February 7th through 9th. 8th is the main event, right? On February 8th, Saturday? Yeah. Yep. On Saturday in the All afternoon. Right. Yep. And you can find that on the website under the events link on the top of the main page if you want more information. But yeah, there's going to be what, 100 and we, what, 130, about, 140 people? Yeah, probably about 130 when it's all said and done. Yeah, so there are lots of people to meet and make friends with. Uh, and then maybe Joe's going to surprise us too. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. Hey, there's only one way to find out. So, you know, keep signing up, everyone. Yep. Maybe Joe will be there. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. All right. And uh, with that said, with Baha Mar talked about a little bit and more information to come on that. And maybe we'll uh, we'll add it to, like I said, to talk a little bit more about how we find some of these good deals on hotels and flights later on. But let's talk about why Mark thinks we should look in the mirror when we talk about our, our uh, elite status and our chase for that. And the title of your post was Our Loyalty Program is a Sham. So why don't you uh, take it from there? Yeah. So I'm just been, you know, the more things have been changing with Marriott and closing uh doors and bad service and all this stuff. And, you know, even like airline status, people, oh, I got this upgrade to first class or I got this because of this and it was $500 more. I got upgraded to the suite that is charging $600 more than the regular room rate and all that. And I, the more and more I think about it, I'm starting to wonder like, you know, are they conning us with all this stuff? You know, is this all sham, a scam? I kind of, in the article, I related it to, uh, you know, a casino person sitting there gambling, losing money, but they're, you know, going for that status. They're, you know, oh, I got a free drink. I got a free room. It's okay if I lose $500, you know, I would have spent money anyway. Well, you wouldn't have spent that full $500. The room might have cost you 150 The drinks might have cost you another 60 But, you you know, you justify decisions based off of this uh, perceived value that is inflated. And then, you know, you make all your decisions around it. Like you book a flight with Delta to get Delta status when you could fly cheaper on American or Spirit or, you know, whatever. And there's all these hidden costs that we don't really want to look at or calculate. And I think it gets overlooked. And it's something that we we really need to sit down and, like you said, look ourselves in the mirror and, and decide, is it this really worth it? Are we really getting the value we think we are? Is it worth the money we're spending? I don't know if you guys have ever thought along those lines or 
or if you go deep dive into the calculations when you decide what status you want? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up. I, I'm always like kind of flip-flopping between two minds. I think you're right. Like having status definitely makes me, you know, spend more money at whatever chain. And usually it's hotels because, uh, well, no, I guess actually I talk about JetBlue Mosaic all the time, right? So having JetBlue, it makes me spend more money um, or at least points. And, you know, I get those from spending on the credit card. So yeah, so I'm spending more money at JetBlue overall because of status. And so I do think sometimes, yeah, maybe I'm being conned or maybe I'm like biased too much towards the programs that I have status in. And so, you know, maybe I'm losing out. On the other hand, I feel like if the benefits that I'm getting feel worth me spending extra money there, like I've said this many times, but being able to change my flights, like I'm willing to pay 10, 20, 30 extra dollars or, you know, one, two, 3000 points extra at JetBlue so that I can change my flights so that I can have flexibility. So I think in its ideal status is like a symbiotic relationship and both us and the programs give more to each other, but also get more from each other. The one interesting thing, and I'm not ready to talk about it right now, is that this year I have high globalist status and I am curious. And as I'm planning my 2020 travel, I am kind of leaning Hyatt and I am curious whether that's going to make me end up spending more money at Hyatt than um, I would otherwise and whether I will regret that decision. Like, will I get as much back from Hyatt as I put in? Yeah. And the spending uh, aspect is the first point that Mark makes in his piece is, you know, do we spend more to stay or fly with the company that we have status with? And I think that that certainly is going to be the case and mo- is certainly going to be. Yeah. It's like a categoric. Yes. Yes, exactly. Across the board. Anybody who says they're not is sort of uh, in denial with that. So yeah, you have to really look at, am I getting value in doing that? And do the the perks of status, like being able to cancel, like getting upgrades, do those make sense because I'm paying for those. You know, you are paying for that. It's not something that is given to you. Um, I think the next the next thing, next point you made is, you know, you're using points so it doesn't cost you anything, that, that, that sort of argument. But like you say, you know, we're some that, like for instance, with Hyatt, I'm using ultimate rewards most of the time because I don't have enough Hyatt points to cover it. So I'm always transferring ultimate rewards. At the very least, I can cash those out for one cent. So at the very least, the value of those points in cash is worth one cent each. I mean, how do you guys look at basically, you know, the value of the points you're using and how you view how, you know, the sort of the monetary value of what you're spending with those. I've always kind of overlooked it or ignored it or played stupid on it, to be honest. I don't, you know, points are points and cash is cash type of thing, which is is probably the, it's definitely the wrong way to look at it because they all have a value, you know, ultimate rewards. That's one of the reasons I, I try to hoard those is because they have a cash value. It's kind of like a piggy bank. If there's every anything, you know, major that happens like a surgery or an accident or something with the house or whatever, and we're tight on cash, at least I can cash those in, you know, membership rewards, you can cash them in for gift cards, even though it's a terrible redemption, it's still a centerpiece if you, you know, need something from Home Depot or whatever. So they are kind of like a security blanket for our financial futures as well as providing travel. Now, when you go to book it, you don't really consider any of that. At least I don't. I always you know, ignore it and say, oh, these are points, you know, I earned them, they didn't really cost me that much. But if you really think about it, they did. So I think, it, you know, I write about it. And I still have that twisted aspect of my brain, the way I think about it. And it's something that I think we all need to to take stock in. Yeah, I agree. I think looking in the mirror and taking a look at this stuff is, uh, is really important. And I mean, if you even look at the example I talked about a little bit earlier about my flight here to the Bahamas, um, I don't have earned Delta status, I got it through a match. But uh, that status caused me to pay for my wife's first class ticket. So I knew I would get ours. Now, the result is that three of us flew in first class and I paid for one first class ticket, which was incredibly cheap compared to 
you know, the price of that, for some reason, the first class ticket was about the same price as a normal coach ticket was. Nonetheless, that status cost me more money, right? I spent more in order to fly Delta and to make sure that uh, my wife was in first class along with us. So yeah, it does stuff like that. Um, you know, moving on to, to what you're, you're talking about a little bit more, you know, you talk in your article, Mark, and I found this really interesting about, you know, like suite upgrades. Somebody will say, well, that room is selling for $1,200. So I got a $1,200 room, but you wouldn't go pay $1,200 yourself. So it's kind of tricky to find the value there. How do you, uh, how do you guys determine sort of the value that you're getting from those perks? Yeah. So that one is like super tricky because I, Last episode, I talked about how I stayed at the Park Hyatt New York um, and forget the suite upgrade. So with the suite upgrade, the suite that I stayed in was going for $1,200 a night. If I had stayed in a regular room, that was going for $900 a night. The reality is I probably would not have booked that hotel if I didn't think I had a pretty good chance at a suite upgrade. But either way, you know, I was staying at a Hyatt because I had high points and status was only like one factor in that. Now, I'm not going to say that you know, to me, I spent 30,000 high points on that hotel. I'm not going to say that I got $900 of value at it because you're right. I never would have paid $900 cash for it, but I would say that I at least got $300 of value for it because like you said, ultimate rewards at worst are one cent per point. And also when we're talking about points combined with status, you know, to me, points are a chance to spend about the same as I would in cash, but get a more luxurious experience using the points. And so I feel like that Park Hyatt experience that I had was that example, right? Like, so I went to Hyatt because I had the status, but I used points. So I didn't end up using cash. I don't think I, I never say I got $1,200 of value out of it, but I definitely got more than the $300 that the ultimate rewards were worth. Does that all kind of make sense? Yeah. Understandable. One, one question I have mainly for you, Sean, one point I bring up is, you know, the, the room upgrades and stuff. Cause I know you travel solo quite a bit. And you get upgraded to a, you know, a two bedroom or like a huge thousand square foot suite. And when you're by yourself, do you even really need it? Do you want it? Like, is it even, is there any value added if you're in a, just a regular hotel room? Is there any difference to you when you're by yourself? And I wonder, you know, how many times are are these people with status getting upgraded when they're by themselves when they don't really need it? You know, what, what purpose does it serve? You don't really need to spread out. Now, when you're with your, when I'm with my family, that's, that's a huge plus because I can, you know, the kids have their own room. I have my own room with the wife and, you know, you, you have a little bit of space. They go to bed early. You can stay up and watch TV or whatever, but do you value it less when you're getting status or upgrades and you're by yourself? Before Sean answers, uh, quick plug, follow miles to memories on Instagram, because to me, that's what solo upgrades are good for. <laughs> There you go for bragging, right? No, I mean, I'm a hotel nerd, so I really do enjoy hotels. I enjoy hotel rooms. I do travel a lot. I mean, it does seem like, ironically, my wife always says this, is that I get the better hotel rooms when I'm by myself for some reason at Hyatt's. Like, we'll go and then, like we were in Grand Hyatt in San Francisco, we didn't get upgraded at all. There's been times like that with her. But yeah, I do enjoy the rooms. I think most people, you're right, don't get a lot of value out of that, especially like business travelers. They're not always getting the the greatest value. And it's the same thing with like free breakfast, right? If there's just one of you as opposed to four of you, that's a difference there. Uh, what it really comes down to is this hobby, right? We can actually avoid a lot of these discussions by, you know, kind of shortcutting our way to status. And that'll get most people most of what they want most of the time, actually. And then for those of us who want something more, I think Hyatt, specifically on the on the hotel side, 
really is delivering a level higher than anybody else as far as, you know, for stays, the same amount of stays at Hyatt, or especially when you get up to like globalist status, you're getting a level of benefits that you're not getting at any of the other programs. So that would make sense. But like, I, I know I have a status with what, 12, 13, 14 programs. And, you know, I only earn one of them and that's Hyatt globalist. So I've shortcut my way to the rest of that. Is that pretty much the case for you guys too? Yeah, for the most part, I don't I don't really earn stats anywhere. I mean, Hyatt, I earn uh, Explorist just through natural patterns. But yeah, for the most part, uh, I don't earn it unless it comes with a credit card or through a match or something like that. Yeah, I have gotten nothing the hard way. Well, I guess getting JetBlue status via spending $50,000 on the credit card is somewhat hard. But, you know, it's not like I flew. What is it? I don't even know how much you're supposed to fly with JetBlue to get Mosaic status. And for Hyatt, you know, I did a status match challenge where I only had to stay 20 nights. I mean, I guess 20 nights is still 20 nights, but it wasn't 60. One quick uh, aside on the whole solo upgrade thing. Sean, you probably know this, but Disney like never upgrades anyone. And I was staying at the new Grand Destino Tower in uh, Coronado Springs Resort at Disney World. And I got upgraded to a one bedroom suite and it was like the biggest waste. And I actually, stupidly, this doesn't actually make any logical sense, but to me, I was like, oh, great. So the one time I ever got an upgrade at Disney, I'm not with my family. And so it's completely wasted and I'll never get it uh, when I need it. I don't, I think they were like out of rooms or something, but I like literally took a nap on the couch just so it could be used because I felt like it was such a waste <laughs> of a room. <laughs> See, but I don't think that's a waste. I think it's fun. Like I, we travel. I mean, I, I just enjoy hotels in that way. I'm like, it's fun. Yes, I get that the space could be better used when I'm with my family. And I definitely appreciate having the nicer, bigger rooms like the one I'm in now when I am with my family. But I still enjoy it when I'm by myself, even if I don't use it all that much, I guess. So it is sort of a waste. But I saw that that suite. That was really nice. The, the one you got at Disney. It was super nice. Oh, I also uh, made an espresso coffee for Leslie. When after when I uh, <laughs> met up with her after she got off her red eye, so you know, sweet, completely used. Should have should have thrown a party. <laughs> it it is it could have I could have thrown a party, yeah, but you know, I was a solo loser. So what what am I going to do? Wah, wah, wah. And with that, let's uh, let's move on to the next topic. Talk about losers. Chase is uh, making some changes. Segway. Fire reserve. Oh my god. Possibly Thumbs your Possibly best segue really. ever, Sean. Nailed it. There you go. It was all and, in uh, like, and there was no pause in there, people. We didn't cut any no, of that out. No, I just thought of that. Like, you know, I get lucky once. So all those, uh, you know, that lounge status stuff, uh, I do that enough. And then eventually <laughs> I get one good thing. No, he just threw that just off. Referring to last week's, uh, just referring to last week's outtakes at the end of the You must listen 20. to it if you have not. Yes. <laughs> Please. But uh, so once in a while, right, I get let's talk right about, and Let's talk about Chase. Let's talk about Chase. Yeah, let's talk about Chase. So they're going to, uh, this is still a rumor, but a pretty strong rumor. I'm pretty confident that it will come true. But, and this could be true by the time this comes out on Thursday, because we're recording it on Tuesday. But basically the rumor is that the uh, annual fee is going to go up. And then they're going to add by $100 and then they're going to add uh, in some benefits like lift status and DoorDash status and, and some sort of stuff like that, right? Was there also a rumor they're going to raise the travel credit too, Is but that's not confirmed. So Yeah, that, like $25 is what somebody commented. Yeah, so that's still uh, still a rumor. But I mean, yeah, what do you guys uh, think about these uh, changes or rumor changes? Yeah, before, before we get to the changes, what I felt was like really rich today, um, you know, we're recording this Tuesday night, like Sean said. But this news was kind of breaking and unfolding during the day. This morning, when I woke up, people like started messaging me and non-miles and points people. They were like, hey, did you hear this about Chase Sapphire? They're going to be offering this like DoorDash, I don't know, premium membership or whatever status 
trap. What a sham. Um, but anyway, <laughs> you get $5 off, Joe. You better get on this. Yeah. I mean, all those fees that you say are always eating into our uh, Uber Eats fees, Mark, you know, they're dealing with that here. Anyway, yeah. so so I got the messages that Chase Sapphire is offering this DoorDash stuff. And then I was too busy, but I'm sure smarter people than me were thinking, hey, there's got to be another shoe to drop. And sure enough, by the afternoon, now I was getting messages from Miles and Points people. Hey, do you see that it's going up to $550? Or it's rumored that it's going up to $550. So it's crazy how this news cycle works. You know, they introduce the good stuff and then they let the other shoe drop. And in this instance, it was over the course of one day. Sometimes at least spreads out over a week or so. Yeah. And just, just quickly to talk about the DoorDash uh, and then we'll get your thoughts, Mark, is the DoorDash benefit is you are going to get uh dash pass, which is their sort of subscription benefit normally costs $10 a month and it gives you free delivery on orders over $12 and lower service fees. Apparently uh, you'll also get, and that's for two years, you'll get that. So not permanently, I guess. And then also potentially a $60 DoorDash credit. Although we don't know how they're going to split that up. If it's going to be $5 a month or which is probably what it's going to be or what they're going to do with that. And then with Lyft, you're going to get Lyft Pink, which gives you 15% off rides, priority airport pickups, bikes and scooters, rentals in, in cities where they have it. So not, I mean, not a whole lot added there. That is really exciting, right, Mark? I mean, are you excited? No, not at all. <laughs> Some crud. No, it, I mean, I put I put zero value almost on all this stuff because I don't use DoorDash or Lyft. It's another of those scam type of things. They're just hoping for breakage. That's what they're hoping. Oh, we increased the annual fee. We'll give you these credits, but we're hoping you don't really use them. So we get all that money and it's just an increase in revenue. But yeah, DoorDash, even if even if, it, if it's the five dollars a month and then you have the subscription, it basically just makes, you know, one delivery completely free, but you still pay for the food. So you could just get in your car and go pick it up and it will cost you a dollar. So that, what does that really whoa, save whoa, you? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> this is America, Mark. What, Come on. What does that really, really say? Plus, you got to tip the guy. So you don't even really save. You, you're still spending more money than you would. So I don't know. Yeah. That, that's nothing. Lyft, I, I usually use Uber. 15% off is basically the big thing of it, as well as you get three 30-minute uh, passes per month for the scooters and bikes, which is cool. If you live in the city, I, you'll use that, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So that's a good perk. The 15% off, I can buy 10% off Uber gift cards pretty much anytime I want. So 20% it's really off a- with SoFi uh, money debit cards. Right? Oh, yeah, that's true. 20% off with SoFi money uh, debit card. So what, what are you saving there? Nothing. So it's just a, a $100 fee increase. And let me say, as someone who lives in the city, like I am not going to get on a scooter at the age of almost 40 and get myself killed. So I did um, it in Denver once and I totally biffed it. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I'm, I just do not have. <laughs> I mean, my back's hurting, like I'm an old man, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna be messing around on no scooter. So, you know, that means nothing. Get to on me. the bike, Joe, get on the bike. <laughs> also, will get myself killed. Although I guess we do have good bike lanes uh, here in the Boston urban area now, but still not going to get myself killed. On a side note, I mean, who else thinks that Chase just sort of looked at what American Express did? And I know you said this too, Mark, so I'm not being original, but I mean, with the gold card, they added the Grubhub, you know, credit. And then, you know, with, of course, the Uber credit with the platinum card. So it just really seems like they were like, how can we come up with something competing with this? Okay, Lyft and, you know, and DoorDash. It's pretty yeah, original. The, the great yeah. thing is they took the inferior services because Amex took the better ones or like the more well-known ones. It's not only that they copied Amex, but they got like the leftovers since Amex started it and went first. 
Yeah, the poor man's Amex. <laughs> there you go. You got their uh, their tagline, the poor man's Amex. <laughs> Don't leave home without it. And you can see why Chase loves us so much. So, Joe, you and I both have this card. So I guess we should tell people whether with these rumor changes, if they're true, if we're going to keep it or not. Yeah, so if you remember a couple episodes ago, Mark uh, Point Blank asked me, hey, do you have to do some math to figure out whether you get the annual fee back? And I was like, uh, nope, don't have to do any math. I know I don't get the $450 back already. <laughs> no pause um, on that one. Yeah, it was no pause on that one. So, you know, if it really does go up to 550 then I really see, you know, Mark already had me thinking I was probably going to cancel this card when my annual fee is up in a few months. But if it goes up to 550 like the rumor, then for sure I'm going to cancel this card. Maybe downgrade back to a Chase Sapphire Preferred or go to a Freedom or something like that. What about you, Sean? I tend to think I will keep it because I use, I have a lot of ultimate rewards points and I use the uh, booking 1.5 cents per point quite often. I think I've used it like 15 or 20 times this year for different flights. I've even done activities with it and stuff like that. I will have to kind of look in. I'm really hoping, you know, at least the travel credit goes up a little bit like that rumor is true because then that would offset it a little bit. But uh, I do think I need to sit down and do some math and really kind of do some soul searching with it to make sure it makes sense. Um, but right now I'm kind of leaning towards keep it, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if that changes. So we'll, we'll see. Oh, shoot. I just had a thought. Uh, you guys know better than me. For the whole like four years between Sapphire bonus stuff, is it like City where the four year starts when you close the card or is it just the last time you got the bonus when we're talking about Chase? Because I think when the, my bonus, wife... when the bonus points hit. Yeah, when you okay. get the bonus. So I think in late 2020, actually, it'll have been four years for my wife. And as we all know, she's famously under 524. So maybe I'll get it in her name if a good sign of bonus exists. The preferred's probably going to have the better bonus still. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, then that's, oh, yeah, that's what you always say, right, Mark? Start with the bird and then upgrade if you need the reserve. Yeah, that's, that was always the, what I thought was the best plan, but now, and that's what I was going to do for my wife this year, because she's under 524. So I was going to get the preferred and then upgrade to the reserve, because after the first year, the numbers get a lot closer. But now with this change, she'll probably just stick with the preferred, I would think, or maybe downgrade it to a freedom if she has an ink or something like that. So that's no longer the play, but preferred sign up, I still think, Unless you're spending a lot of money on restaurants and uh, travel, I think preferred is the better offer the first year for sure. Now, one last thing actually I just thought of is that we do see like the uh, DoorDash benefit right is being also given to the preferred. What if they raise the annual fee on the preferred? I mean, it really, it's been $95 for for however long. Now, clearly there's a a threshold at $100, but maybe they are considering that. Who knows? We'll see. I don't don't know because... That would take them out of the kind of like their what the market they're in with like the premiere and stuff like that. And then the next level is the gold, which they're not to the gold level with that card. So I don't think they can where with the reserve, at least Amex is up there. You know, there's a couple other cards in that realm already. So when they pressed it up, it wasn't out there and on its own. So I guess you, you can't say never, but I, I just I don't see it. But or, I hope, or at least they, I hope not. <laughs> or, you know, maybe they see what Amex is doing and they want some sort of a gold level uh, medium, you know. I'd like to see that. I think they need to do that. Yeah. With grocery. Get some grocery, Chase. All right. You have all these cards. You have no grocery bonus. It's like the biggest spend for everyone. It's crazy. There you go, Chase. If you're listening. There you go. Mark just gave You know it. they're listening. <laughs> All right. And from Chase, let's talk about uh, a little bit uh, more in depth into this deal, a popular deal on the site, a Hilton timeshare offer, um, 100,000 points and uh, and some free nights or not free nights, I guess, because you're paying for it. But uh, 
was it three hundred and forty nine dollars for a hundred thousand points in four nights? Yeah, and you can do it in uh, Orlando or Las Vegas. There's a couple different properties they give you choices from. You have to do the two hour timeshare presentation, of course. And then uh, a reader, reader Tim, what's up, Tim? Thank you for reaching out. And uh, his wife had called in and she asked, you know, is there any other places I can go? I don't really want to, you know, if I don't want to go to Vegas or Orlando. And they give her a whole list of, there's a whole bunch of locations, Myrtle Beach, a couple destinations in Hawaii, Washington, D.C., New York City. Now they don't all come with the 100,000 point offer or the 349, depending on where you go. Like Hawaii destinations are going to be probably like 650 for five nights and uh, 25,000 points, but you have options. But the 100,000 points, is that's an insane value. I did the same offer and I only got 50,000 just a couple of months ago. So it's definitely worth it. Check it out if you were going to go to either of those areas. That's what I would say. What do you got? Are you guys thinking about booking it? I'm debating it. I think I have used up quite a bit of my visit Orlando capital, but um, you know who knows? We will see. Or actually, I have, I have a <laughs> trip to time. make. I do have a trip to Vegas coming up. I wonder if, um, you know, it's only going to be for two nights, but I wouldn't mind spending $349 for two nights in the 100,000 points. And, you know, I'm going to put my friends up in the room too. So I don't know. I'll think about it. Your, wi- your wife's got to be there to do it though. So they won't, you can't do Vegas. Oh. What if, uh... <laughs> now people have asked like, what if I say, what if I say I'm single or, or whatever? I don't know. I, I, if they find out, I think they'll charge you the full room rate and you won't get the point. So I don't think it's worth it, but I'm sure people have done it. So I, I don't oh. know what to say. So my wife has to be there, but do I have to take my kids? No, you don't have to take your kids, but I took my kids. What I did, um, when we went to Orlando, we had the kids with us. So me and my wife went to the thing, uh, to the presentation. And then in there, they have like a kid's room where they have a woman that sits in there and watches the kids and they, they draw a color, play games, watch TV and stuff. So they have like, so I guess it was almost like, Everybody complains about the two hours, but it was kind of like a reprieve, like no kids for two hours. Although if you really want to get out there quick, bring your kids, Joe, and just say, do whatever color on the wall. And they'll push you out the door real quick. And make sure to feed them lots of ice cream before you get there. I never taught them to barf on demand. There you go. That's a skill that uh, is worth having. I did find a a loophole here because if I just looking at their site, it says, can I attend the personal preview by myself? And it says, if you're married or cohabitating and combining income, the couple is required to visit and attend the personal preview together, except where prohibited by law. So we just need to find out where that's prohibited by law. Probably Massachusetts, because everything is <laughs> weird there with laws. <laughs> I don't want to go to Massachusetts. <laughs> just kidding, John. <laughs> I mean, you want to see like- me at a, there's only one way to guarantee that I'm going to be at a Miles and Memories meetup. So, you know, it's your call. Yes, let's do Meet it. Meet up at the Patriots game next year, right? Woohoo, Foxborough. Yes, I'll be so excited. Wear all my gear. We can meet up at the win. I've heard that not a lot of people are going there. So, Oh, yeah. Free parking all week and $15 table minimums because they wildly overshot when they started. How's the uh, MGM they're doing on a side note? Pretty good? Did comparable? Is, is it doing well? I don't know. I haven't been, actually. So I only know that the win looks like it's doing badly. I seriously wonder if they are turning hotel. Um, so if you're familiar with the win in Vegas, like when hotel rooms are occupied, when the lights are on, you know, it gives this effect. You can kind of see them. Um, you know, it's that kind of gold sheen on the building. I really think that they're turning lights on in hotel rooms to make it look like it's occupied. Even then, it only seems like half or two thirds of the rooms are on. So I don't know. It's a bad look. Let's move into rapid fire, guys. And uh, Mark, you want to start us off with a a really good deal, I think, uh, with Alaska Airlines. 
Alaska Airlines has a deal uh, where one of their partners, Fiji Airways, they're giving uh, 50% off award bookings. So you can fly from North America, anywhere in North America to uh, to Fiji for 20,000 miles one way. Uh, from Hawaii, it's the same price, which doesn't make a lot of sense, but whatever. Uh, business is 40,000, which is an insane deal. Uh, the only problem will probably be finding availability. And with Alaska and their stopover rules, you can actually continue on to Australia and it will still cost 20,000 miles, which is crazy, or New Zealand. So there's a lot of options. Uh, it's just going to be trying to find space. I think it's going to be the problem. Are you guys, you thinking about changing up your booking, Sean? So you're not uh, in economy all that time? <laughs> no, not too. I only paid uh, 6000 uh, each way to New Zealand, which is past uh, Fiji, obviously. But I've actually flown Fiji Airways in the old, it used to be called Air Pacific. And uh, back in 2007, I flew on them and I thought that they were uh, a fine airline. Certainly would uh, do that for 20,000 uh, Alaska miles. And Fiji, if you've never been, is just incredible. The people are so friendly. The culture is really interesting. It's incredibly beautiful, of course, too. So definitely worth a look. And especially if you can somehow find 40,000 in business class, that'd be pretty amazing. All right. And let's move on to uh, the next rapid fire. I'm actually excited about this. We have a new contributor on the site. He's actually worked on our uh, sister site, Disney Hacks, a little bit. And uh, his name's Benji. And he's going to be doing some more Disney stuff for Miles to Memories. And he wrote a post, Four Reasons Why a Walt Disney World Annual Pass is Worth the Cost. And Benji's really like a hardcore travel hacker. So he's kind of really analyzed this. He really loves to dig deep into deals and analyze it. And he's really just shared why it makes sense for him and why it might make sense for people. And I think that's a, it's a good thing to read and listen. Your situation, of course, will be different. The value that you get will be different, just like our talks about elite status and stuff like that. But I think it's a, a good thing to kind of go through the process of what value you do get out of a Walt Disney World annual pass to see if maybe it makes sense to do that for you. And you can check that out on the site. It's there right now. And uh, on to you, Joe. I have uh, two rapid fires that are both kind of like Twitter stories. I know we don't normally do these, but I found them like super interesting. And I think uh, people would be interested in them as well. The first is from Tashir. Does he still write for Travel Codex? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so anymore, no. Yeah, so he used to write for Travel Codex. He used to be pretty big in the miles and points game. Um, he, I think he still does, you know, lots of travel stuff. Anyway, he wrote about how his parents or his family almost got scammed out of twenty eight hundred dollars. Um, we'll leave the link in the show notes and let you read it for yourself. But the uh, moral of the story is: make sure you let people know your loved ones, your close family members. Let them know when you're traveling. For my family, you know, we put our itineraries on Google Calendar. This is like my extended family, like, or not, you know, my parents and my sister and stuff like that. That way everyone knows where everyone is. Um, and, you know, you won't be in danger from uh, the scam that his family almost dealt with. The other is a, a Twitter story that is still in progress as we are recording right now by someone called Miles in Transit One. I keep seeing Seth Miller, the wandering airman, retweeting this. These two guys realized or knew that if you take 16 Greyhound bus trips, which why you get one free Greyhound bus trip, which again, why? And then they decided to use that on a cross country trip between New York and LA that was going to take over three days. And they've been chronicling just what a wonderful way to get across the country. Greyhound is it's not my place to judge how people are, are going to get across the country. Obviously they are having a bit of an adventure to say the least, Check it out if you want to see what they've been doing. You know, it is a cool idea. I'm glad they're doing it so I don't have to. And it is an interesting read. To be young, Joe, to be young. Yeah. Again, 
thinking about my back. back. Yeah, (laughs) thinking about my back when I was thinking about that Greyhound. So, but to each their own, you know, that's what they're into. That's what they're into. Yeah, I once did a, I think it was a 30 hour bus ride from Mexico to to Guatemala and um, it was pretty brutal. You got to take those Argentina buses that uh, those first class buses where, you know, the seat turns into a bed, you know, that's what you got to do. Yeah, there wasn't <laughs> wasn't any of that on this route. This was uh, we were lucky to have a uh, roof over our head for most of it. But you know, those are the funnest stories to tell when you're all said and done. I, I guess. All right, and that'll do it for us this week, Joe. Uh, if people aren't uh, listening to the podcast, where else can they uh, find you? You can find me podcasting about Disney at DisneyDeciphered.com. And you can find me podcasting about Miles and Points. We interview different people in the Miles and Points community at SaverossiObservationDeck.com. What about you, Mark? You can email me at Mark at MilesToMemories.com. Comment on any of my articles on Miles to Memories, and I'll respond to you there. Or reach out to me in our Facebook group, which there's links to on the website or you know in the show notes and all that stuff. So how about you, Sean? You can find me on um, at Miles to Memories on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I've been sharing pictures from Baja Mar. I'll continue to do that. Going to Atlantis after that, and then Disney World and New York and Europe. And so I'll be gone for a while traveling. So yeah, follow me, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Miles to Memories. For anything related to the podcast, you can find everything at mtmpodcast.com. All the links to subscribe. And uh, please consider leaving us a review if you've been enjoying the show. We'd love to hear that feedback. See you next time. Yeah, so there's a deal with um, American Airlines and, or sorry, let me pull it up, Alaska. In economy, you can fly 20,000 points one way, or is that? That's one way, right? It's not round trip. Yeah. One way. Yeah. 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 So you can fly 20,000. Uh, you can fly one way for 25. <sighs> Let me start over. <laughs> so there's a deal with Alaska Airlines and their partner, Fiji Awards. Fiji. <laughs> I'm totally going to Sean right now. Karma. <laughs> I'm loving every minute of it. Karma. Uh, see, that's I should have had it pulled up, but I didn't. So I was struggling to get there. Okay. Amateur. Yep. That's me. We love to hear that feedback. And uh, until next time, we'll see you uh, until next time. And see you next time. (laughs) Really, Mark? (laughs) Oh, my God. What was so funny about that? (laughs) Just like, all right. See you next time. (laughs) Yeah, because you could just cut that out. I just stopped and started. All right. See ya. We already, I already made enough mistakes today. So. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. 
Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.